0: Amen. Welcome to North Gainesville Baptist Church. It looks like home folk here tonight. He said, victory unto victory. Jesus Christ has given us the victory in this world and the world to come. And all the Bible says to do in Ephesians is to stand strong in the Lord. Stand, hold that ground. So much the more so as you see the day approaching. These are those perilous times we need to stand on the things of God, the word of God, and with the people of God in the times where God is hard to be fi- found in this world, it really is. Um, brother, brother Meeks, good to see you this evening. Will you go ahead and pray and open us up in a word of prayer? Brother Eric, would you go ahead and pray over the offering? Pray for the services tonight. And uh, as John the Baptist said, his life verse, I must decrease, he must increase. And uh, pray for the pastor as well as he is away. Thank you, brother. got your Bibles tonight, I hope you do, that's where we're going to be using, and uh, go to Luke chapter 4, we'll be in Luke chapter 4, it was once said, uh, Spurgeon probably said it, he says everything, um, if, we, if we attribute everything that Spurgeon says, to actual Spurgeon, he'd have to live a thousand years, but somebody said one time, people come to church on Sunday morning because they love the preacher, they come to church on Sunday night because they love the church but they come to church on Wednesday night because they love God. And I believe that's the crowd we have tonight. I like to be in a, in a, in a crowd, a church crowd, around uh, people that love Jesus and love the Bible. I like where people raise their hand and they don't have questions. Amen? We don't have questions. I don't raise them in the back to make a scene for myself. I'm telling you, some of these, some of these songs are so scripturally true. We start reading about a mansion over the hilltop. The Bible says, for we have no continuing city, yet we seek one to come. Our conversation, our conduct's in heaven. Praise God, this isn't all there is for the Christian. And I'll tell you, it's good. It's good to be saved and born again. It's great. I I was going through this passage for the last couple months, and uh, the Lord let me hear a little there, a little, precept upon precept. It's kind of how he's let me put this thing together, and I pray it's a help for you tonight. It sure was a help for me studying it. And uh, look at over in chapter uh, 4, verse 31. We're going to go through the high points of the whole chapter of Luke 4. We'll make it. We'll make it. We'll be all right. Amen? We'll make it. Verse 31, and it came down to Capernaum. This is Jesus. It's a city in Galilee and taught them on the Sabbath days. And they were astonished at his doctrine, for his word was with power. You believe there's power in the word of God today. And in the synagogue there was a man which had a spirit of an unclean devil, and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee, who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace, and come out of him. And when the devil had thrown him in the mist, he came out of him and hurt him not. Now my text, my title, and my thought comes from verse 36. And they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, What a word is this! For with authority and power he commanded the unclean spirits, and they came out. Heavenly Father, I pray you help me tonight, only say what needs to be said, Nothing more, nothing less. And Lord, I pray you hide me behind the cross of Calvary. And Lord, uh, you speak through me and speak to others. If I can just be a blessing tonight, that's all I want to be. But Lord, if you got something more, we pray that we don't hold you back. We let you have at this service. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Notice that statement. What a word is this. This was an unusual church service. One, Jesus was in town. This is one of his first church services he would have showed up. But you see, the emphasis wasn't on who was at the church house. You see, the emphasis wasn't on who was in the parking lot. The parking lot was full if the pews are full. If there's 10 people, if there's 20 people, there's 1,000 people. The emphasis was on the Word of God. The emphasis wasn't on the devil that was in this church. Amen? That's the devil's work here in the church age. Jude says that we must earnestly contend for the faith. Because they will creep in unaware. And you can do a little cross-reference with the Bible with that word creep. There's creeps in our churches every now and then, amen? And you can take that to Leviticus, and it tells you that every creeping thing is unclean. We We must be sober, and we must be vigilant in this hour. There's a devil that's going to come in, not into a person, but into a program, into a ministry, into a church house, and try to undermine the doctrines that they have. They're going to turn, and then then you see the synagogue. They weren't there for the church house. They weren't there for the stained glass windows. They weren't there for anything that the church had to provide. It wasn't the building that they were there. They weren't there for the rock band that played 45 minutes and the preacher sat down behind a piece of glass and gave a message for five. They wasn't talking about that. It's an unusual church service because there is an emphasis on the Word of God. There's an emphasis on God's word being spoke and used in a mighty way. Not only is the emphasis on the word of God, but notice that, that, uh, that punctuation at the end. You see what that is? That's an exclamation point. One, it's not, it, got, it caught my attention because you don't see it often in the word of God. They were looking at him and said, what a word is this? Exclamation point. A period. They could have put a period there, but that ends a thought. You can't end the thought on the Word of God because it's a living book. It is a continuous thought. It is an infinite thought from God, and we are finite beings trying to grab a hold of that, so that sentence is going to keep going. There's no period that needs to be there. And then it's not a question mark for obvious reasons. The Word of God has all the answers. You don't have to put a question mark on what God gives you with all the answers. And I got to looking in this, and we bring our Bibles to church. We have multiple copies at home. Someone gave me one when I walked in today. We preach from our Bibles. We teach from our Bibles. But when was the last time you picked up the Word of God, the copy you have in your lap, and you said, what a word is this? Boy, we live in a nation. Oh, yeah, it's going the way of God's way. It's going backwards instead of forwards. But we can still sit in church on a Wednesday night. We can still open our Bibles. We don't have armed guards at the doors. We can still go to the nursing homes. Praise God, they've opened the doors for that. And we can preach the gospel. They said we can't come in because of COVID. Well, we'll put you out. I said, what? Then I said, find something. Put I'll wear a bee suit, astronaut suit, whatever you need to get the gospel to these people. They may not have another weekend. And you know what? They put us on the porch, and we said, open the windows. I'll be loud enough to get all of them through the windows. Amen. We live in that nation. We have the word of God. What a word is this? When did you just go to it and and be thankful that you have a Bible? Thankful that you got a church that stands on it. And put an emphasis on it in your homes, in your ministries, husbands, in your marriage, wives in your marriage. Put an emphasis on the word of God. And then I see in this mist, of a lay odyssey in church age. We put exclamation points on the latest sports games. Amen. My wife messed it up. I didn't even know who was playing the Super Bowl. I didn't know when it was, and I could care less if that pigskin hit the ground on the one yard line or the 50. And she said, so and so won. Messed it up. I didn't care nothing about it. But you know what? Gator ball's coming around. You know what? They won't shout in church. They'll forget their Bibles pick up their cell phones, scream their lungs out at the, at, the, at the football stadium, miss church, miss, but they won't miss work, and they won't miss Walmart, and they, they just forget. They put an exclamation point on the latest movies, on the latest celebrities. They put the exclamation point on the latest fads. They put it on the, new, the concerts that are going around. But when was the last time we got excited about the Word of God? What a word is this. What a word is this. I'm going to walk you through four events in the book of, uh, book of Luke, chapter 4. Four thoughts on why we should be excited about the Word of God. First and foremost, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13, that's the temptation of Jesus Christ. If you The parallel passage is Matthew 4. Matthew 3, he enters the ministry, he's baptized. Chapter 4 of Matthew, he steps into the wilderness. Mark says he was driven there by the Holy Spirit. And he's going to face the devil. I want to tell you first and foremost, the devil was fought by the word of God. The word of God is in which the devil is fought. In chapter 4, verse 1, And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being forty days tempted of the devil. In those days he did eat nothing, and when he were, they were ended, and afterward he hungered. And the devil said unto him, If thou be the Son of God. He is the Son of God. Why is he always got to put a question on? But you notice the first thing you got to do to defeat the devil in this day and age? Be full of the Holy Ghost. Be full of the Holy Ghost. You are sealed unto the day of redemption, but you've got to go back to that well every day. Walk in the Spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How do you get closer to God? James says draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. You've got to take the first step. You're as close to God as you want to be. You've got to take the first step. And it says being full of the Holy Ghost. You know what's the problem with the Laodicean age? We're full of Hollywood instead of the Holy Ghost. We're we're full of the heathen's music. Amen. We're we're full of the heathen's movies and music and and motives and apparel. We're not full of the Holy Ghost. And then next thing you know, the, the, the Bible, something happens. You get that phone call that you dread. And you'll get your, your, your friend that goes to that church over there, and uh, they, they say, well, all good things work together for God. That's not going to help you when cancer comes. You need the whole verse. You need to know that we live in a world of sin, bumping into people with sin, and the ripple effects of sin are all around us. That, 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 the, that the devil himself is the little G God of this world. It's not until Revelation 5 until Jesus takes the throne. We're studying David with the teenagers. Saul gets dismissed because of his disobedience. David gets pulled out of the sheepfold, but it's a long time before he ever takes that that throne that was rightfully his. That's a picture and type of Jesus Christ in the church age. The devil, we are sown three times when he's tempted. In all three times, Jesus said, It is written, it is written, it is written. He pulls out the Bible, the two-edged sword, Old Testament, New Testament. And he slices right through the lies, the trickery, the doubt of the devil. You know what? It's the same thing that he used when Eve fell. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I think of somebody, I think of an electrician. He has his own toolbox, and he's got his own specific tools. You'll take a carpenter, he's got a toolbox, but he's got his specific tools. You may take a mechanic, and you see he's got some tools. Some of he use more than most. And, uh, and then you have a plumber. He uses different tools. They have different tools because they have different occupations, and they're for different uh, job categories and services. The devil doesn't have a big toolbox. The devil has a small one, and he's got those three tools, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Our flesh is weak. We must learn that. Our flesh can never be improved. You ever heard the saying, put lipstick on a pig? That's about all we can do with our flesh. It'll still be bent against God. And when you get saved and born again, you still have that old man. You won't get that till you get in heaven. That's why it says you got to put off and put away all these things. And, and we also see that he works against our weaknesses of our nature. The flesh is our unregenerated nature bent against God. Even though you're saved and born again, it's still present and it's still powerful. The things that we blame the devil on are often our own weak flesh. All right, and then it says the flesh is weak, Paul says in Romans 7. The flesh is flesh is what Jesus says, no improvement. In it. And he says, and Paul says, in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. And he walks out there and he goes to Jesus himself. And he operates, the flesh operates on its desires and likes. The lust of the flesh. He told him, he said, I know you're hungry. 40-day fast, you're going to be hungry. Teenagers can't even get out of Sunday school for they're starving. They've had a 40-minute fast. And they they feel like Jesus here in this passage, amen? It's a rough one upstairs. But 40 days of no food had to have water, you'll die in a few days. But Jesus is physically weak. He had to go through that because he had to suffer as we would suffer. He had to feel, he he had to touch our infirmities. And the devil tells him, to he says, go ahead and make, some, make that stone some bread. One, it would have killed Jesus off because if you're on a long fast like that, you have to start it off real slow. You have to get back into eating food, something eating big, would be certain death for him. He appealed to him. He said, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the flesh is the desire to do. And in this day and age, Jude, I'm going back to Jude, because that's right before Revelation, and that's where we stand. He says the church will be sensual, not spiritual. If it feels good, it must be right. If, if everybody else is doing it, we, it must be the right thing. Oh, no, no, no. He's, and and, and you've got to understand, no matter what you do to satisfy the flesh, you cannot satisfy the flesh. Two great truths to know while I'm on this topic, the flesh is never satisfied and hell is never full. The devil's a liar and the father of it. The, and it and then we see the desire to do, turning into, into the stone into bread would have satisfied his hunger, but he, could not, he would not fill our infirmities and he would have stepped out of the will of God. How many is going to step out of the will of God this week because they feel they have to keep up with the Joneses? Lust of the flesh, well, i got to do that, or I've got to be here, and I've got to do that. And, and someone once said that the, the lust of the flesh is towards the younger generation, whatever age you want to put that in, up to 25, I guess. And, and they, they have got to have that peer pressure. They've got to have be, be popular. And I don't want any of them to be left out and be singled out. That's a bad place to be. But you don't have to go that route. that's not what's important. What's important is go God's way. It'll save you a lot of sin, it'll save you a lot of scars, it'll save you a lot of suffering. You no know, man putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And we've and, all, and everybody in here has made mistakes and problems and I'm not saying anything about anyone, only God knows your heart, but the past is a classroom you should learn from it. It's not a living room. We should move forward from it. And the flesh, the lust of the flesh, and then the lust of the eyes. That's the desire to have. The devil says in verse 6 of chapter 4, And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for what is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will I give it. He's the little G God of this world. He, he runs the world system. He has, it's the desire, the lust of the eyes is the desire to have. You want that nice new car. You buy that nice new car, two weeks later you'll want a new nice car. Right? You want that house because it's nice and you got a promotion and you got it? Have at it. There's nothing pro- no problem with having things It's when the things have you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. But you start adding all those things, you slowly push out the kingdom of God. The desire to have the... It, that's more for the middle age. They're married, they have money. If they're married, they may not have much. But it—but they're middle age, they have a job, they're secure. And you know what? They can buy what they want and they see around, well, this guy's got that, i got to have this. I've got to have a better one. She says this and this and this. Shoes, dresses, suits, whatever it may be, people desire, they want more of it. You just keep going and going and going. I think, of, I think in Matthew... The devil said, all this power will I give thee. Matthew's account said, he said all these things. It's not a contradiction because the devil will tell you there's power in possessing things. And you must be careful of that. The Bible says contentment. Contentment is not having all that you want. It's wanting all that you have. Next time you think of something, you think, I need a bigger house. Do you have holes in your roof? Are you sleeping in the dirt? Are you sleeping in a cardboard box? look around and say, thank God I got shingles on my roof. And then when you start walking around thinking about it, thank God there's carpet under my feet. Thank God there's clothes in my closet. Thank God we got children to feed. They're in bed or we got food in the cabinets. Therefore, the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, wrong verse. That's, that's coming later. But what is that? Colossians 3, 1 and 2. Colossians, that's my life verse and I missed it. If ye then be risen with Christ. Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on the things of this earth. You know why? Because your eyes are going to deceive you. Your eye gate, your ear gate, what you hear, what you see. Remember, he says, he knoweth our frame. We're just dust. If we get above being just dust, we've done got way too far of ourselves. He said there's power in things. Matthew Henry said, Multitudes lose the sight of that which is by setting their eyes on that which is not. How many of us have lost focus on the things of God during COVID? How many of us have lost focus by keeping our eyes on what Fauci's doing and Biden's doing and Trump's doing and this one's doing and that one's doing? And whoever's doing, and Facebook's doing, chat, smart chat. I mean, uh, Snapchat, whatever it is, uh, TwitFace, whatever they are, all of them. We're worried about what everybody else is doing, and and you know what? We put our eyes on that, and we forgot that the rapture's coming. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And the Bible says that the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. The trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. No matter who's on TV, who's on social media, what celebrity says it, what politician quotes it, Jesus is still coming back. Don't take your focus off of it. And then we see the pride of life. That's the desire to be. And he tells him to just to jump off the pinnacle, and the angels will bear you up. Oh, so you're going to use Scripture, Jesus. I'll use some, but he misquotes it. You know what's dangerous about false religion? There's just enough truth there to keep the lies together. And that's why you must know your Bible. That's why when one knocks on the door, have you heard of this Jesus? I don't need a phony Jesus, I got the right one. Yours can't, can't, yours can't save nothing. Yours can't do anything for you. Yours is an imaginary Jesus. Mine walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. That's my Jesus. Amen. God didn't come here to be a spectacle. If he would have jumped off there, he would have caught him up. He would have brought all the the people around and say, do that again. That was a great magic trick. He was not here to be a spectacle. He was here to do the will of God and the work of God. And when we read our Bible, there's a time of of his humility. And then there's a time of his exaltation. There's a time when he's going to come as a lamb before, uh, before the shears to the slaughter in Isaiah 53. But then there's Philippians 2, where every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. The attack was thwarted by the word of God. You see it's in chapter 4 at the very end. And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. Someone one time said, you know, if you look at this, this is Jesus. This is God manifested in the flesh, steps out of eternity for 33 and a half years. And as soon as he starts his ministry, the devil himself uh, goes to attack him. Now we're weak. We're in the flesh. We're not sinless. We're sinful. We may be sincere, but we have problems. We have faults. We have freckles. What tells you the devil's not going to mess with you? And he attacks Jesus, and then it said he ended, and he said he departed from him for a season. Somebody said one time that Satan takes short vacation. Amen. He'll be back before Schwarzenegger ever said it. He'll be back. Amen. We must stay in the Word of God. We must stay filled with the Holy Ghost. And look at him. It is written, it is written, what a word is this? It is in which the devil is fault. A part-time Christian cannot defeat a full-time devil. We must be ready in our homes, in our ministries. Pray for them in the back. Pray for them upstairs. Pray for the nursing home as we go out. Pray for the youth rally on Saturday. There's a devil who wants to slow you down. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. Killing's killing's plenty enough, right? But the devil wants it all. We're going to fight every hour, every day, every minute, every second, until Jesus comes back. What a word is this, in which a devil is fought. But look in verse 16 through 29, 30. We're going to summarize this. Not only is it a the word of God is in which uh, uh, the devil is fought; it's in which the truth is taught. Jesus, first, first visit the church in his ministry, it says he comes back to Nazareth, and before he started uh, his ministry, it was his, as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. This was a common occurrence. Give Jesus the book, let him read. But this day was going to be a different day. He opens it up to Isaiah 61, and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then verse 21, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. He'd been coming to church for 30-something years. And all of a sudden he stands up and he says, you know what? I got something to tell you. You know the Word of God tells us the truth about our Savior? He could have picked any book out of the Bible. He could have picked... Genesis 22 and Isaac. Hey, there's a picture of me. You know that lamb that was caught in the thicket? I'll provide myself a lamb. That was him. He could have said, you remember uh, Psalm 22? That's me, cry, the, the cry from the cross. Psalm 23, there's the crook. That's me, there's the shepherd. There's Psalm 24, entering up in glory. I could have told him about that. He could have told him about anything. He could have told him about Isaiah 53, about the suffering of Jesus. He could have talked about Samson and how he took a jawbone of an ass and defeated the Philistines, how something so little and God with God's power behind it can defeat somebody so big as the devil. He spoiled the principalities and powers on the cross of Calvary. He made an open spectacle to the devil. What the devil thought could destroy him, it took him out and he caused victory over Satan. Death, hell, and the grave, Hebrews 2 tells us. He who had power over death Jesus defeated by dying on the cross. I can't understand it. I can't wrap my head around it. But you better believe it. And you see the truth about the Savior. Genesis three fifteen, the first promise in the prophecy. You'll bruise. You may bruise my heel, but I'm going to bruise your head. Later on, he's going to come out of Bethlehem. The bread of life. He's going to. The bread of life is going to come out of the house of bread. How about that? And then you. Then you. Then you see. 700 years before Isaiah 53, the prophecy's there in great detail. Daniel, when he, he prophesied, it's about 483 years since they came back from Babylon that the Messiah would be born. There's 400 silence years from Malachi to Matthew. And this day, this church service, Jesus stands up and said, Remember those 39 books that I've been flipping through for the last 30 years? It's about me. It's about me. I'm glad we got a book that tells us the truth about our Savior. And if you got a King James Bible, you got it right. I like the way they spell Savior when it's capital S. It's S-A-V-I-O-U-R. S-A-V-I-O-U-R. Seven letters. Perfection. Not S-A-V-I-O-R. Anyone can save you from drowning or save you from a fall, but only the S-A-V-I-O-U-R can save you from your sins. They can, only He can save you from hell. Only He can save you from the grave. Only He promised His coming, His first coming, His second coming, and His rod of iron that He's going to come when He judges. Only that Savior. Not only is it a truth about our Savior, the Word is fulfilled. And then you see the truth about our salvation. The Bible says, therefore, the Bible says that, um, for by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves that is a a gift of God. The Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. The Bible says, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man come unto the Father but by me. But God commendeth his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for me. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and your house. It tells you the road to salvation. You can go to any book in any library. You can find things on astrophysics and and thermodynamics and how to build something. You can find something to read, but only in the Word of God can you have God's way of getting saved. It's the Word of God. tells us the truth about our salvation. This is where it gets applicable and this is where it gets good. Then we see two more stories. What a word is this. We read verses 31 through 35 and 6. But in 38 and 39, there's two stories there. And one of them is a demon that's been cast out. It is a man that is possessed. But then we see Simon Peter's mother-in-law. She's with a great fever. Now remember, uh, Luke is a physician. To me and you, if you're not a doctor, it'd be a fever. Uh, she wasn't a uh, she wasn't hypochondriac. She wasn't trying to uh, get, get something from the family, get, get, get a sob story, get, so, you know, get people around. Luke looked at her and said she had a great fever. And, and it says that one was possessed by a devil. One was oppressed by a disease. It was in two different places. One was in the synagogue. That's God's house. One was in Simon's house mother-in-law's house, but the same solution cured both. Look at verse 35, and Jesus rebuked him. That's the devil. And then look in verse 39, and he stood over her and rebuked the fever. Not only, I don't know, I don't know. Let me let me ask, you ever had a fever before? You ever had a great fever? I don't know. This wasn't a 99.5. This wasn't, wasn't one of those ones where You don't have to go to school. You'll be all right kind of fever. Great fever. I believe since they called people in, it was great and close to being one that could be fatal. If you ever had a fever and that fever breaks, don't you feel different? Don't you feel better? You may sweat and you may feel all gross when you get up, but you feel a lot better when you get done, when that fever breaks. Not only is it a a devil that's been taught, a truth that's been taught, but a change that's been brought. What a, word of, what a word is this. It's a change. It doesn't matter if you're in God's house or you're in somebody's house knocking on doors and putting hangers on the doors. God will still save you. God can still change and take a sinner and take them from death unto life, from darkness unto light, from hell unto heaven. It doesn't matter where you're at. It doesn't matter how low you've been or how far you've gotten. The hand of God can still reach down for you. David said, he lifted me up out of a horrible pit, out of a miry clay, set my foot upon a rock, established my goings, put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto my Lord. He, he, can, he can change you. When the Word moves in, some things had to move out. Amen? When Jesus rebuked that devil, that devil could not hang around with enough Bible And enough Jesus nearby. When the word moves in, some things had to move out, but when the word moves in, some changes will be made. The Bible says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Our warfare is not carnal. We don't fight. We don't war against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. You can still sin if you're saved. You can still go to those same places when you were saved. But if you've got the Holy Ghost in there and you're inside of you, dwelling within you, you won't enjoy them anymore. That music will hurt your ears. That drink will hurt your stomach. That, it won't appeal to you. The good time that you used to have isn't there anymore. And I'll tell you, I praise God. I thank God I'm saved and born again. I don't go down that road anymore. I have more fun asleep serving the Lord than I ever did living in this world. I met a guy a few months ago. He told me. He said he we he just he was he was a blessing to me. He's a preacher at this small church, and I just have a service call for him. And we were talking, and and he opened up. He said, "I don't tell a lot of people about this because I told him you're such a blessing to me. You made my day. Somebody that knows the knows this Jesus, not some." Comf- uh, So some made up Jesus, something you. my mama said, this is how Jesus was, but knew Jesus of this Bible. And I said, what a blessing it is to know some people in this age that still love God. And he said, let me tell you my testimony. I don't tell a lot of people. He had been in trouble uh, with the law. He'd been in drugs. He he had uh, been in prison. He had all these problems. And he said, people ask me all the time how I got a smile on my face. He says, you may see my glory, but you don't know my story. And I said, amen. There's so many things that the the, the devil has behind us that's always trying to pull up on us. And you say, I'm a new person. It's nailed to the cross. You're going to have to go to the cross of Calvary to take care of that. And by the the way, what the blood washes away, the Baptists don't need to bring up. Amen. That's good preaching right there. Amen. I'm glad that he changed us. I'm glad that I'm saved and I'm not going to hell. I'm glad I'm saved and that nothing can take that away from me. I'm glad I'm saved if they take my Bible, I still have him in my heart. I'm glad I'm saved if they shut the church doors, we'll still have him in our home. I'm glad I have no desire to go to the football games to the concerts, to the net, whatever it is. I don't. People ask me all the time, why don't you have this or why don't you have that? It's hard enough to keep the devil out of your house as it is. I don't want him in to destroy our home. Old preacher in Jacksonville said one time, you need to go soul winning with us. Stood up in the church and said, you need to go soul winning with us. And, so, and he said, you need to see how the devil treats his own. Amen. We live in that day and age that somebody needs to change for Jesus. Somebody needs to go home and cut that cable bill. Somebody needs to cancel Netflix, shut off Facebook, shut it all off, and get in the Word of God. Get in your prayer closet and call upon the Lord. Get serious about the Word of God. What a word is this. And then you look in chapter 4, verse 42. When it was day, he departed and went into a desert place, and the people sought him. It's a, it's a, it's the, what a word is this that the devil is fought by it. The truth is taught. A change is, is, is brought within a Jesus that is salt You know, the Bible says in Ephesians 2 without Christ, there was a time when we were without Christ and had no hope. You know what? This world that has no Christ has no hope. We live in a hopeless world. We live in a hopeless generation. We live in hopeless times, not because there's no answer, because there's no Christ being just uh, proclaimed and brought out. When someone sees us having victory over sin and self and Satan, holding fast to the truths of God's word and the change in our lives, other people will seek Jesus. There was a little lady one time, little girl, she's about four or five in her Sunday school class. And uh, her Sunday school teacher was waxing eloquently and was talking about how big God is, how He formed the universe. He spoke things into existence. He just threw the stars out the back door and they stuck in space. We serve a big God. And she's telling them all about it. And little four-year-old Sally raises her hand and the Sunday school teacher says, yes, Miss. Yes, little Sally, what is it? She said, if, if God is that big, and he lives in little old me, why doesn't he stick out? Let me ask you, if God's that big, you've got the Holy Spirit within you. Why is it that he don't stick out? Go back to verse 4. I want to show you, the, I believe this is the key to revival right here. In verse 4, 30, I mean, chapter 4 36, they were all amazed and spake among themselves, saying, what a word is this. They came to church, to talk about the bible they were reading in private and they were all amazed about it my goodness they came to church they you know you throw your you they spoke amongst themselves about the word of god you know the book of philippians is the book of joy you know the book i i got stuck there i mean it was a good stuck there amen it was it was god planting me in philippians 4 when i my dad got terminal cancer It's Paul's jailhouse journal. It talks about joy, joy, joy. He's fixing to get his head chopped off by Nero. He said, whatsoever state I'm in, I've learned to be content. He said, there's a peace of God that passes all understanding. He said, God will supply all my needs. And you know what? You, You can help somebody with the book of Philippians. Or you can talk about Facebook. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, can, we talk more about the Drudge Report or Fox News than we talk about Deuteronomy. Yeah. yeah. Amen. You know what? You know what gossip is? It's sharing private information with someone who's not part of the problem or part of the solution. We will share gossip, but we won't share the gospel. Amen. And you know what? God, the gospel hurts everyone hurt, and helps nobody. The gossip does gospel hurts no one helps everyone we've got a choice go out this week what a word is this we've traded the inspired word of God for Instagram amen I put that on here we traded the truth for television amen our Bible pages stick together but we've worn the buttons off our remotes and we wonder what happened to America what happened to the land of the free and the home of the brave it's still the greatest country amen But if we don't get something right in the church house, it ain't going to be for long. Amen. Amen. I want you to go home, and I want you to think about this. I want you to get excited about your Bible. Brother Bud Stiltner has a message, a a revival of the Bible. We We need to get back in the book. We need to get excited about it. We need to get excited about our prayer time and our alone time. Turn some things off, shut some people out, and just get along with God. It's about time. I thank God for my Bible. It never gets old. Every time you open it up, every time I love see Miss Jocelyn. I'll talk about her all the time. Every time I walk by shoes, did you know this was here? I said, No, I didn't. I got to study it. That's good. Amen. Amen. And you walk around and people open their Bibles. I'm saying, no, I'm not saying nobody does that. But we must not get complacent. We must not take it for granted. The apostles, they started off in the houses, one or two here and there. It started with the apostles. It's going to end with apostasy. And who's to say it's going to go back to the houses, one or two here and there? Might as well enjoy it. Might as well love it. Might as well pray with it, carry it. Not only carry your Bible, let it carry you. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I love you and I thank you for an opportunity to be here tonight. Oh, what a a word is this. Thank you for the word of God. And uh, thank you. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I'm glad somebody come by my way. One day when I was nine years old, I was just going to church because I had to. I had no intentions of doing anything else. Just going to church because I had to. And Lord, the preacher, got up and he opened his Bible. He didn't open television. He opened up the word of God and preached the gospel and I got saved. I thank you for it. I thank you for the word of God. I thank you for this church. I pray for the pastor as he's away, that you bring him back safely, give him a good time of rest. And Lord, i be with all the praises and prayer requests as Brother Pete gives those. We love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.